0: The ultimate game.
1: Long range from oh my it's the United States of America Day.
0: Welcome to pitch the podcast. This podcast is dedicated to the world of women's soccer and the intersection of the game with gender, politics and history. I'm your host Alessandra and with me is my other host Claudette and we also have a special guest today. She plays soccer at UConn, super famous, you might know her name, you might not, here's DK. Hey, everyone. Wait, say hi, Claude, so we can all get, like, a distinction for the voices, so everyone knows who's
2: who. I like the part where you say you probably don't know her, that's funny.
1: Hi, this is Claude, and this is my voice. Good. Good. So, thank you. (laughs) Um... (sighs) In today's episode, we're gonna do a quick update of the NWL and what's been going on there, and then we're gonna talk about some of the Twitter drama, trauma, Twitter, Twitter drama. That was that was actually my own creation. If you're wondering who to credit <sighs> that to, I'll I'll let you take credit for yeah, that one. It's pretty pretty genius. Um, between Ashlyn Harris and Hinkle, and get into that story a little bit and then we'll dive into the lgbtq representation and support in sports and the ways that femininity and masculinity are perceived in women's sports and in soccer in general
0: spoiler there's a pop in this episode oh yes
1: we have a special pop it's a little yeah it's
0: exciting uh we'll get to that a little later though
2: no, Alison and I went to a Sky Blue game in New Jersey uh, last Wednesday.
0: Yeah. What yeah. was the date of
2: that? Uh it's not super relevant.
0: Yeah, no, time is um, just a constant. It's a constant. They were
2: playing the Washington spirit and it was like night and day. The last time we went to um uh a Sky Blue game.
0: Sky blue <laughs> it was game. like what, 2012, 2013?
2: No, it was like, it was like twenty sixteen.
0: Wait, what?
2: It was like senior high school. Wait, no. Yes. Anyways, not important. Last time we went, not super long ago, it was pretty much empty. Like, there was, there weren't even fans cheering. There was one lady who was chanting Christy Rampone's name over and over again.
0: Yeah. And then just, it was all silent. We're still unsure if that was her friend or just a really impassioned fan. A
2: really passionate fan. But she
0: wasn't there this time. She wasn't there,
2: well, we couldn't hear because there was so much sound. Oh my god, you're so right. Because it was sold out. It was... A sky blue, like just let's do that again.
0: A sky Sky blue blue game
2: was sold out. Sky blue, number
0: nine on the table right now, which means that they're last.
2: But driving to the stadium. To
0: clarify, nine
2: out of nine. (laughs) (laughs) But driving to the stadium, like we were having trouble because there was so much traffic. We were like, "This can't be for the game. This can't be for the game." And it was for the game. It was amazing to see like so many people (sighs) filling the fans, and there were drums. I and love drums. drums. And the flags? The, there was flags. <laughs> there was one flag, which is amazing to me, and there was drums. Um, but wasn't it so, like, it was so awesome to see there were so many young girls at the game?
0: We, we've talked about how the Women's Professional League in America has folded three times now, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, it's that much more important
1: for these young girls to see... Yeah, we're on year 7 of the NWSL. It's, a, it's also right?
2: super important for these young young women to see to see that people want to come watch women's soccer. Cuz how many times were you at a game and you looked around and you were like, "Why is there no one here?" Like, I don't want to I don't want to be playing here when no one cares. And how amazing is that to see that these young girls get to grow up thinking like knowing that and seeing that People want to spend their time to come watch a women's soccer game, because that is just—I can imagine the greatest feeling ever. Because it was—it was a crappy feeling, wasn't it, when we were growing up, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, even like World Cup games. My Back in my day. <laughs> <laughs> no, even in World Cup games, you would see that there'd be no one in the stadiums, and you're like, "This is like the pinnacle of Empty soccer. Seats.
1: What's happening?" Mm-hmm. That's a really good point. Yeah, but we're seeing we're seeing record numbers right like the sky blue game is sold out i think the houston game was sold out um and another thing we talked about last episode was the deal that nw salt made with espn so the um utah royals versus north carolina courage game uh, two nights ago was on espn news so that was cool to see and there were a ton of people there so exciting time in the NWSL for that's sure. Really
2: awesome. Wow.
1: It seems like the the standings are pretty tight this year,
0: uh, especially the the first couple of teams, the top three teams.
2: Yeah, it's like only in the top part, the top uh, few teams of the table, because you know Sky Blue's out here with eight points, I haven't even had double digit, double digits yet.
0: Sky Blue is in their is in their comfortable place. They, that's where they know.
1: That's where they know best. <laughs> At this rate they won more games than they have like in the last two yeah, seasons. Yeah, no, this
0: is Sky Blue's most successful season thus far, <laughs> and I think that says a lot.
1: That says quite a lot. Exponential growth.
0: Interesting though because Utah is actually in 7th place even though they only lost to North Carolina by Oh, the gate the score of the game was 2-1.
1: They they have a fun rivalry with North Carolina because
0: oh, from last year. Last yeah. Go
1: yeah, last season, North Carolina was undefeated except for tying and losing to Utah Royals. That's got blue. <laughs> <laughs> this weekend, we have a few games to look forward to. Friday, North Carolina Courage is playing Washington Spirit. That's going to be on Yahoo Sports. Yahoo watches seven. sports on Yahoo. Cut that out. That was good. How <laughs> How long how long uh, have you been waiting? For you <laughs> as joke? soon as I saw that Yahoo's airing it, I was like, This is my moment. Yahoo. And then at the same time actually, Houston Dash and Rain FC are playing that one's gonna be on ESPN News.
0: We got Chicago Red Stars playing Utah the next day on on the third. Again. Streamed by Yahoo. Don't it. <laughs> and then Portland Thorns are also playing a little later that day, uh, and they are playing the scary opponent, Sky Blue FC.
2: Why? Come on, don't... That's our team. We're supposed to be supporting Sky Blue. Okay? That is our
1: team. We're so mean we really to Sky are. Blue it's, in this it's podcast. All it's, it's all love. So I love. will say, though, at the
0: game, there were people who were cheering... Most of the people were, were rooting were for
1: Washington
2: Spirit. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to lie. The girls behind us who were the worst people ever... Um, <laughs> They scored and everyone went nuts and we were like, wait, what?
0: This is like the whole game. <laughs> Washington is not close to the jersey. Well it's
2: because Rose Lavelle and Mallory P were on the yeah. team. Yeah.
0: Dream team. The dream team. That's oh, totally God, fair. LaVelle Rose. Oh. Laval Rose. Um, Rose
2: played amazing that game. She watching a her dribble ball, ball Oh my goodness. A soccer ball. Yes.
1: That's exactly it's, what it is. It is, is
2: just a pleasure. It's a pleasure watching her play. God. Alright.
1: Next up We have a new segment called Hot Scoops. (laughs) (laughs) So our Hot Scoops, on
0: this segment of Hot Scoops, (laughs) we're going to be talking about some trauma, aka Twitter drama, but in this podcast we're using the word trauma.
2: That's very misleading. I don't know if the viewers want to hear hear about my trauma today, (laughs) and then we just unload (laughs)
1: that's next episode <laughs> here's the tea in 2017 Jaylene Hinkle was called up for the national team roster and was supposed to be playing in a game for pride month in which they were in which they were wearing rainbow jerseys and she then dropped out of the roster um, citing personal reasons but later came or went on a TV show. What was the TV show uh, called, or what was the it channel? Was like Christian
0: broadcast, Christian Christian Broadcasting Network. Was it really? Yeah.
1: Yeah, so, so she later went on Christian Broadcasting Network and did an interview, in which she explained that after three days of reflection and prayer, God told her that she shouldn't wear the jersey, so. She dropped out. And after the World Cup, that video resurfaced and um, some trauma ensued.
0: Before we keep telling the story, we want you guys to know that we're obviously not condemning any form of Christianity or spirituality in general. Like many of the people on the Women's National Team themselves are also Christian and celebrate their religion. So we just want to put a little preface in there before we keep telling the story
1: yeah so ashlyn harris tweeted after this video resurfaced directly addressing Henkel, and she says our team is about inclusion your religion was never the problem the problem is your intolerance and you are homophobic you don't belong in a sport that aims to unite and bring people together you would never fit into our pack or what this team stands for so, really a call-out post. Yeah.
0: But if I was going to be called out by anyone, I'd oh, be fine being called out by Ashley. I Ashton would Harris. love to be
2: called out by Ashton Harris. Not <laughs> you for can homophobia. call me out
0: anything.
1: Not for
2: homophobia, but just for other things in general. <laughs> you know? Call me out. God, I'd love that.
1: But yeah, and she, she goes on to say, like, there are a number of players on the team, like you mentioned, Morgan Bryan, Brian, Tobin Heath, Julie Ertz, who are all, like, Pretty outspoken about their faith, but are doing it in a way that's not exclusive to a group of people that is pretty important to this team.
0: Yeah, I mean to quote Megan Rapino, you cannot win a world you can't win a tournament without the gays
1: <laughs> so it's true <laughs> and literally they're being like Jill Ellis they're being led by a gay By
2: mm-hmm. uh, a gay.
1: <laughs> by a gay. <laughs>
2: Yeah. A single gay. I mean, so much so much of the team, so many people on the team are gay, you know. Because I think that everyone has their own form of their own religion, you know. I think religion is very, very subjective. And it, what what, do you, what you want to get out of it, you can get out of it. So her her form of it, of course, she's not okay with gay people. That's her choice. She took herself off the team for that reason. And because she knew that that wasn't a culture that she could herself be associated with. I think that she's doing her own thing. I don't know... If a lot of hate is the right warranted.
0: I think that's a really good point. And I think why Ashlyn Harris decided to call her out was because after this interview resurfaced, people started, there were there was a lot of talk about how the team isn't a welcoming place for uh, religious people. Mm-hmm. And I think that was honestly what a lot of the backlash came from because... Uh, you know, as we said, there's a lot of spiritual people on the team. Um, so I think it was more so defending the team as a welcoming place in general. Got it. Yeah. But
1: no, I that that's a that's a really good point. Mm-hmm. And I I think timing is is important to consider too because this video kind of came about a a while ago. But as the the team, they just they're coming off a World Cup win. There's a ton of media. There's a ton of attention on them this is like not what we necessarily want to focus on is like the potential criticism that could come about by people saying oh this team's not inclusive and because that's kind of fueling haters of the of the team and of this like rise of a like strong group of women who suddenly have this platform and have this voice and are and are promoting these these values of inclusivity and so I think it's really important for Ashlyn Harris to call call her out and define the team's values as being explicitly open and Mm -hmm. accepting of everyone regardless of sexuality
2: yeah and I, I definitely I agree and I think it's um important that what did she say that we we
1: weren't exclusive to your religion what did she say she said read the quote she said your religion was never the problem the problem was your intolerance Yeah. yeah okay
2: so she said that your religion was never the problem it was your intolerance and i think that's a very because i hate the way people lump together that they aren't inclusive of christianity because christianity itself doesn't encompass homophobic people that's their choice that's the way they perceive it and to say that you're not tolerant of an entire religion because you're not tolerant of someone who's homophobic are very different things. It's an unfair association to make for an entire team, you know, because you can't associate those two. And Ashton, I think Ashlyn Harris, that was really important for her to say. It's it's not your religion. It's the way you choose to act out your religion, which, again, is your choice, but it doesn't work in this kind of environment.
1: Right. And... I think it's great that we're even having these conversations, especially considering a comparison with men's soccer and and men's sports. This is not this kind of it's kind of taboo to talk about sexuality in in men's soccer, especially in in the American sports. I was doing some research in in the top five sports leagues in America. So so the NFL, MLS. MLB, NBA, and NHL, there's currently one, one, you didn't hear singular, that wrong.
2: <laughs> Did not hear that wrong. A
1: singular, singular gay man, a singular out gay man, I should say, in those top five sports. So, I mean, it's a pretty dramatic contrast.
2: Yeah, and I don't think that's necessarily surprising. To anyone given just um, what sports mean for masculinity and how they're meant to portray themselves, it's no surprise that <laughs> there's one active out gay man. You know.
1: No, I'm. I was literally racking my brains trying to think of one, like one gay out gay man playing, who, like who's a professional athlete. A lot of what I saw was that um after retirement some athletes would come out but but to see men actually playing experiencing the sports culture firsthand while out is just something that doesn't happen
0: yeah I mean a lot of it has to do with the stigma associated with being gay and that is a much
1: heightened stigma
0: uh in in a in a predominantly male environment and so that would probably affect their team chemistry and all sorts of things that might might not have been fun to actually have been on the team i'
2: I'm, I'm remembering there was a um a gay football player who was in college when he came out um his name was michael sam and um he came, i think he came out before he was even in the pro in the in the n f l um and it was a big deal I remember there were stories on e s p n about it they, they were showing him on sports center and this wasn't even a pro athlete this is just a college athlete. The fact that there was an out male college athlete at a high level who was a football player was such a big deal and so taboo that they put it on SportsCenter, which is amazing because, I mean, there's two sides to it. It's kind of the fact that it, it's so big and crazy that it has to be on Sports Center is kind of like, all right, that should maybe change, that that just shows <laughs> how taboo it is. But also... um, it's so important for boys and young men to see that you can be a pro athlete and be out and do just fine, you know, because there's, t- there's totally. tons of other closeted male athletes that just don't have the courage to because it's it's very um, looked down upon, maybe, in our society.
0: Yeah, I mean, we, we really have to bring the idea of masculinity into this conversation as well because it is driving a lot of this stigma.
1: No, that's a good point, and... Colin Martin, who is the player who plays for Minnesota United, he came out last year and what he kind of said was he never really thought about it. He never really thought that it would be a big deal to come out. But then he realized that that had never happened before and he had never seen that before. And so he made the decision to come out publicly for that reason to encourage other athletes to have that confidence because... It's not like they don't exist.
2: Yeah, and that's the exact thing that John Collins... John Collins. John Collins, who was a center in the NBA, um, who came out in 2014 when he was still playing, um, he said that the reason he came out publicly was because no one else wanted to raise their hand. He said that no one else wanted to be the kid in the class, air quotes, to raise their hand. So he was like, all right, I guess I'll do it. You know, It's so interesting to see how... Like the male players feel like it's their duty to come out to show other males that it's okay, as opposed to the women who it's it's so much more normalized. They they I don't necessarily think it's it's as much of a duty to come out because it's it's kind of pretty much it's accepted in the woman's side. You know? Duty Duty I <laughs> <Duty>. said <laughs> duty quite a lot then.
1: Yeah. So <laughs> Alessandra, do you wanna talk about kind of like what's driving those like the differences in the normalization sure like major. in the women's game and how masculinity and femininity are perceived <laughs> it's funny
0: because when women first started playing sports they they were seen as really masculine even if they didn't necessarily embody the qualities that you would define as masculine there's actually a study that was done on seven female hockey players who were playing in all male leagues and they were interviewed, basically oh, on. Was this? Uh, it was recent. It was in, within okay. the last fifteen years or right.
2: so. So this is like high school level because they were playing in men's leagues.
0: It, it was probably like rec level, but they were adults. Okay. okay yeah. Um. Adults. Adults. Is that adults? That's fancy. <laughs> they were adults. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. So, it's like when people we say adults instead of ants. You know, you guys are ruining my flow.
2: You're trying to be really fancy. Okay, sorry. Yeah.
0: Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I hate you guys. <laughs> um, they were adults. Um. The study was looking at these players' perceptions of femininity and how they changed or didn't change after their experiences in the male league, and, and a lot of the athletes, they define themselves as not being like other girls, that they were, they were really different from the... No- <laughs> I'm not like
1: other girls. Yeah, I'm not like other
2: Quirky. girls. Quirky. <laughs> Quirky. I play
0: video games. <laughs> um... So they were kind of they, they talked a lot about how they were like tomboys and how they were like, you know, if a girl is muscu- if a woman is muscular, then she's manly. And it was weird because at the same time, these women who were interviewed were talking about how the men they were playing with or the men they were being coached by or refed by, had a lot of these assumptions about females, like that they're less able, like that they're sort of infantile, and that they're delicate. And so they 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 were experiencing these things, and yet they still were reinforcing these ideals by likening themselves as being more masculine well, when they were good athletes.
2: Was it a bad thing?
0: Is it a bad thing? Should shouldn't we try to break these stereotypes about femininity?
1: Well, they I don't just think, think it's that about trying to be anything. Well, I think it's about being genuine and being who you are. You shouldn't intentionally try and act more feminine just to sort of break that stereotype. Oh, yeah, I definitely agree. And that's
2: kind of what you see saw in the past. Oh, my God. um, A League of Their Own. Do you remember that movie? Okay, so it was about this habit, World War Two, I think. It was when the men all went off overseas. And this is based on a true story. Men all went off overseas for the, to fight, and so people wanted to see baseball, though. So the women played. So they started their own league. And a league of their own. A League of Their it was called League of Their Own. But to maintain them being feminine because the commissioners, the men in charge, didn't want them to be too masculine, they literally took class class classes about how to stay feminine. And it was like how to sit properly and cut food and how to stand, sit upright, and they had to wear skirts when they played, even though they would slide and they would get crazy cuts, they had to wear skirts. They like, the way they had to um, express themselves was so, so stereotypically feminine, like housewife, but just to try to maintain the image of femininity, even though, because they were in such a masculine environment. Because people, people, people didn't want to see a woman in a masculine... It's not, it's not ladylike. For women right. to be sprinting and sliding around, they it have makes, to still be in skirts. It makes people uncomfortable. Yeah, exactly. And that's still something you see today. I mean, I'd say definitely less severe. <laughs> but um, there's this...
0: Wasn't per- there a national side that had to wear really low-cut shirts?
2: Yeah, because they, they didn't... I forget which... At last World Cup, they, they didn't make the proper cut jerseys, so they, they had to wear undershirts because it was too low. But... Um, it's more like you see even subconsciously like at what female athletes trying to over overcompensate for being in a very masculine environment by overdoing their femininity, I think.
0: Are they trying to overcompensate or is that just who they are? Like, maybe that's they true. are. That's true. That's true. And I think that's a hard thing to kind of distinguish. I think the real thing that what we're trying to get at though is that a lot of the time women who are play who are athletes are seen as really manly when why is why is it considered manly to be strong and and confident when it should just be considered like a good a good characteristic not necessarily dependent on what gender you identify as
1: and that's kind of what we saw as being one of the main reasons for these this like disparity in representation between the men's and women's game because these women are perceived to be quote-unquote masculine, there's not as much of a stigma or it's not as controversial when a woman comes out.
2: Yeah, for sure, because they're already put in that box where, like, she's playing a sport, she must be either gay or super masculine, you know, it's it's already kind of expected. But, um...
0: Yeah, and, and with masculinity, there's also this thing where if you're not constantly validating and, and proving your manhood, then you're seen as more feminine, and that is, in our society, seen as this worst thing. Mm-hmm. And that goes against what Claude was saying about uh, being openly gay. And sometimes this even gets to the point where women are perceived as being too manly, and they're then forced to verify their sex, their biological sex, in order to compete among other women. So you see this with... Um, track athletes like Duty Chand with an athlete Castor Semenya, that's been a really recent um, development so they performed so well in certain track events like the 800 meter and the 200 meter and because they performed so well and they were, their appearances hinted at them being not stereotypically feminine they were forced, there was a bunch of controversy and people were accusing them of not being female Controversy, my <laughs> bad. <laughs> they were accused of not being female, so they had to undergo sex verification testing by the Olympic Committee, which is in itself just a really dehumanizing process, completely humiliating, um, and really not valid. And there's yeah, a no, whole that's awful. <laughs> there's a whole there's a whole discussion on this. Um, sex verification testing has been going on since about the 1960s um, and it actually started because women started performing better in the sports and they were like oh, oh something's weird here they they're, they're doing well. Right. this is so weird oh, a
2: woman out of the kitchen what are
0: you doing there <laughs> get back in. Get back there,
2: where Sally.
1: You belong. <laughs> yeah um, despite all of the sort of ugly and discriminatory things that we could talk about there is a lot of positive to discuss and seeing all of this uh, representation in the women's game, especially, and outspoken players like Ashlyn Harris, like Megan Rapino, I think that's huge.
2: Yeah, it really is. Um, being able, as a young person, a young athlete, a young whatever you are, it's so, so important to be able to see yourself in the person you admire. You know, being able to see who you really are in someone that you look up to so much and see them thrive and be so confident is something that is so, so important to someone growing up and it's so special and it's something that a lot of people growing up didn't have. And the fact that this next generation gets to have so many examples of that is gonna lead to such an amazing next generation.
1: Very well said, very well said. Wow, we should close it with that.
0: <laughs>
2: our perfect. pop. What about our pop? Oh, yeah, perfect.
1: pop time. Introduce our pop.
2: All right, so our pop, our player of the podcast, is Babe Didrikson Zaharias. Um, she was a track athlete in the 1940s, 50s, She and she also played golf. She, was, she won two gold medals on track, and then she went to golf and won a ton of golf championships there. And there was... um. You know, since our podcast is about the way conventional femininity and masculinity are portrayed in sports, um, she was someone who, especially back then, there was a lot of stigma around her because she didn't conform to what um, people wanted femininity to look like back then. She was very conventionally, you know, masculine in the sense that she was strong, she was very outspoken. for example, like, used to call out her opponents, and she'd be like, oh, I'm gonna whoop you tomorrow, like, I'm gonna whoop your ass.
0: And trash talking feels so good when you do it. It does. Like, I do it in, like, kind of a lame way, like, if I do it at all, so just power to her.
2: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, and that was because that was very unladylike, you know, but she didn't care, she still did it. Um, I think that's something that, that's so awesome, especially for that time, and, you know, obviously because she was a really good athlete people assumed that she was gay and um, but she ended up marrying a man later in life and you know, there's a big sigh of relief from everyone they're like oh, okay we can breathe now because she's not a gay she's, um, but the point is that she was way ahead of her time and I think that she's definitely someone that's super overlooked now in, in this movement of women in sports she's someone that shouldn't talk about more because she's super dope
1: that's about it for episode seven. I hope that you guys can bring these conversations into your real lives, bring babe to the dinner table, and bring her out to dinner. Out to take her out for a bite. Buy her
0: some flowers.
1: Buy her flowers. <laughs> or
0: honestly, like maybe her- like
1: guys, some you guys are reinforcing the stereotype. Yeah, they- Why do we have to buy <laughs> flowers?
2: Buy her a power tool. Oh god, that's also sorry. Yeah, show
1: her- show her the podcast. Oh, buy yeah. an iphone and and that's uh, gender neutral and this episode is available for listening on spotify and apple podcasts you can follow us on instagram and twitter at pitch the podcast. Okay. okay
0: so at the end of every podcast claude i don't know it why was, she has it this was all idea she has this
1: big incl- she wants she, us to say she begs me every time to say this nervous i hate it so much so nervous what is it what is it so (laughs) so one of us says if you love the game it's like a call and response and then you respond by saying you'll love this podcast so in total it's if you love the
0: game you'll love this podcast
1: so who says which part?
0: Oh, it's a mystery every time.
1: <laughs> so I'll say if you love the game, and then DK, you can say you'll love this podcast. All right, you ready for this? This is your moment of fame, your claim to fame. I don't know why I'm doing this. <laughs> I hate okay. it every time. <laughs> it's part right. of like it's your initiation into the pod.
2: Okay, good. Yeah, I'm like a sorority girl. Okay. <laughs> if you love the game, you'll love this podcast.